0: Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, would you send your Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear, and eyes to see what you are telling us, what you are showing us about ourselves, about the reality of our sin and the reality of our forgiveness for those who are in Jesus Christ. Would that reality move us to experience the freedom that is ours by the power of your Holy Spirit? In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Some of us, however, are enslaved to sin and to bondage. We may be even sitting here this morning thinking about the sins that we've committed. The weight of them, as we confess, is too great for us to bear. If our lives were broadcast for the world to see, what would they think of us? What would they think of me and of you? They would see, I'm sure, some good. They would see also a lot of sin. But beloved, where the Holy Spirit is, there is actual freedom in this life. There is freedom in this life. We've entered into the first Sunday of Lent, where we as Anglicans, we take uh, seriously. The spiritual disciplines, I preached on some of those on Ash Wednesday. We're to take those up. We're doing Lent together. It's a wonderful thing. We have the booklet and the whole deal, the whole shebang. The booklet looks great, by the way. But you can go through the booklet and you can still be in bondage, in sin, enslaved with no freedom, though Christ has already set you free. Let me tell you one of the most miraculous and amazing things about our short gospel reading this morning. Jesus had not even been faithful to the Father in the wilderness before God had said, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He had not been faithful in the wilderness. He had not been faithful yet to the tempting of the devil in his life. He had not even been faithful yet. That hadn't happened. And God had already said to his Son, You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. What freedom there is for us as Christians to know, to live into the fact that you are a son or a daughter of Jesus, of the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord. That he has said of you, Well done. You are my son, my daughter. I love you. You are my beloved. And then we move into the wilderness, the temptation, the life, the existence, the suffering, all of that. But God has declared it about you, and there is freedom in that declaration. Would you agree? There's freedom. The problem for us as Christians is we seldom believe it, I think. So much of the Christian life is actually remembering what God has declared about you and trusting in his promises, Jennifer and I were um, blessed to be able to get coffee together. Um, Jennifer's, uh, my beloved in-laws, her mom and dad, John Charlotte, they're in the front row. They allowed us to go and get coffee. What a great blessing that is. To leave our beloved children behind for a to get uh, some coffee. And, and it was O. Henry's coffee, you know, the coffee straight from the throne uh, to us here, O. Henry's, it was great. <laughs> But we started to talk about, just about life, and we talked a little bit about our beloved Samuel, whom we lost in August, stillborn child. You know, we looked at each other, and we finally concluded again, and we do this quite often, that, you know what, like, as a Christian, we are to give it all over to God, who is sovereign, all of it, the life, the death, the suffering, to give it over to Him. He is in control. We trust Him. That all things in the end are going to work out for the good of those who love Him, that we're moving from strength to strength, to trust in His promises, to believe in Him. And, beloved, this morning as we enter into Lent, I want to remind you, as baptized Christians, God has made a declaration about you, about the righteousness that comes from His Son into your life. And that is freedom. That's freedom. It's freedom to flee from sin. It's freedom to confess sin, to know that he is faithful and just to what? Yes. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when we get into the second year of our lectionary reading, this is year, uh, or lectionary cycle, this is year B when we go through most of the Gospel of Mark. Every time I get to the temptation, the fir- which is always the first Sunday in Lent, And I read that text of Mark and I think, Mark, why didn't you give us more to preach on? It's so short. He doesn't have the actual battling back and forth of our Lord with the devil that we have in Matthew and Luke. And I see it actually as a blessing. Here's why. It's great and wonderful to preach on Jesus' battling the devil and how he does that in the wilderness. But we are too prone, I think, to psychologize and to begin to get into the text. No. Mark says the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Short and concise to the fact of the matter. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Beloved, Our Lord had been baptized, the Spirit had descended upon him, the Father made a declaration, and then he is moved into the wilderness, into the temptations. He's doing something and did something that Israel was not able to do. Here is the new Adam, the new Israel in the wilderness, showing obedience and faithfulness to God the Father doing something that Israel refused to do, couldn't do, that Adam could not do, that you and I cannot do on our, on our own. He has done it for us. And this is the gift of the Holy Spirit through baptism, that we get to walk behind him, the forerunner of our faith. One commentator talks about Jesus in the wilderness And really, uh, he discusses Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness, but even the whole life of Christ. He says it's similar to a father who's shoveling snow somewhere out in the Midwest, you know, where where it actually snows. (laughs) More than a dusting. Though the driving, it's exponential how the driving goes down with the dusting here, and it only goes a little bit down there. Anyway, they know how to drive. But a father shoveling the snow and the young child walking behind him. The child can't shovel the snow. The child cannot make his or her own way in this life. It's impossible. Following the father who's shoveling the snow. But at any moment in time, that child can go astray, can try to do it on the child's own, try to get through the snow on its own. No, 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 following the forerunner, the father, following in this instance, the son who has gone before us, who has done the work that we could not do. This is psychological and spiritual liberation right here. Would you agree? This is liberation. That there's nothing that you could do to actually earn God's favor in your salvation. But the beautiful thing is this. He's given it all to you. He's given it to you through his son. He's declared to you the state of affairs. You are his son and daughter. And that is enough to live in the midst of the wilderness and the temptations of this life that come upon us and that plague us. You know, one of the early church fathers looks at the, this weird kind of statement at the end of our gospel reading where it says, and he was with the wild animals. Well, wild animals, of course, are... Um, uh, all throughout really ancient uh, literature. But, of course, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the wilderness are where the wild animals live. You can be assaulted by them, maybe killed by them. And Jesus is with their, he's there in the wilderness with them. Of course, he's overcoming. He's not destroyed by them. But one church father says, this reminds us of Adam. Remember, he was naming the animals. But in his fall, the animals become the thing, even in the wilderness, that are trying to take him down and kill him. And Jesus is in their midst not being taken down. The new Adam, not being assaulted by them. And the angels were ministering to him. The angels ministering to him is also a very odd phrase. If you figure out what it means, uh, please tell me. Or raise your hand here. I'll let you preach for about three minutes. But let me tell you what I think it may mean. Our Lord had all the power within him. He was God um, to, to be obedient in the midst of the wilderness, these angels ministering to him I think it's just a reminder to you and to me that we are called not only to receive the ministering of angels that is other people within the parish who are helping us face temptation as a believer in sin as a believer in wilderness experiences as a believer but we're also called I think in some way to be the angels the messengers who are ministering to others in this parish and in our families uplifting them Reminding them of what Christ has done for them to help keep them on the way. Beloved, we have been given a new identity. Years ago, there was a student preacher at Beeson Divinity School whose sermon title was Identity Theft, (laughs) that God stole our sinful identity and gave us a new one in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Beloved, there are some of you here that are struggling with sin, that you feel the condemnation, the weight of it, that you become your own judge with the sins in your life. Let me remind you that if you are a child of God, he forgives you. Let me say that in this Lenten season, you should confess that sin to another brother or another sister whom you're close with, to come to a priest, to myself or Father Zach, and confess your sins, to do so so that you might be reminded of the true state of affairs god has forgiven you in jesus christ you have been given a new life now live in closing i'm going to say two things the first is this there is a temptation in the church and in our culture to pathologize sin to the extent that all we ever do is think about our own thoughts our own feelings we're turning in on ourselves going almost into an infinite abyss Have you ever felt that? You just feel like you can't can't get out of it. Let me say this. Jesus Christ has called you his brother. That is the declaration. You are a child of the Father, given a new self, a new identity. You have been saved. We live into that, out of that. Too often we think about our sins, we think about um, the states of affairs, the suffering in this life. And we stay in that mode constantly, forgetting that God has actually liberated us in Jesus Christ to live and to turn towards him. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing and encouraging one another to do during this season of Lent. So let me encourage you to open up, to confess sin to one another, to encourage each other on that journey of faith that we're all on. We're so individualized in this culture and in the church too often. We see it's our sin, it's our spiritual journey, it's disconnected from everybody else and we try to live it on our own and we run out of gas, we run out of steam. Beloved, the faith is vicarious as well. It's shared amongst us. Encourage one another. and Let me remind you to go back to the baptismal passage of our Lord. God said, this is my beloved son, even before he was faithful in the wilderness even before he was faithful in resisting the temptation of the devil and finally let me close with this I want us to look at Revelation 21 for just a moment because it ought not be lost on us that when Jesus goes into the Jordan River to be baptized he moves from there by the power of the Spirit into the desert for forty days doing what Israel could not do he's also allowing us to cross that River Jordan at the end of our existence on this, in this earth, this life, that he has opened for us finally a new river for us to see, to behold, a new state of affairs in the future, one that is ours even now. If you have a Bible, let me end with this. Let's turn to Revelation 21 to end with that final great river that we see in Revelation Chapter 22, excuse me, page 1041 of your pew Bible. Page 1041. Beloved, this is the state of affairs that is ours to come. Remember this as you're walking through Lent, as you're confessing sin, as you're taking up spiritual disciplines, as you're encouraging one another to keep the faith. Have this river in mind. Revelation 22, 1. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Beloved, in your baptism, and as you declare your faith and repentance, God's name has been sealed upon you. And that name has liberated you by the power of the Holy Spirit to go from strength to strength. So during this Lenten season, do not be discouraged. Have the end in sight. Know that it's not through our works of striving that God accepts us, no, no, no. He has declared that we are his children, and out of that, let us strive finally to enter that rest, as the writer of Hebrews says. Beloved, I love you. May our Lenten journey bear much fruit for these 40 days in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.